you can turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 6. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Let me say that again. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be filled. In our pursuit for righteousness, there could be many ways of getting there, but Jesus clearly says, hey, the pursuit of righteousness, the way we get there is not by reading about it, it's not by acknowledging it, it's not by even understanding it, it's not even by agreeing with it. He actually says, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall be filled. How do you know if you're full? We had pre-service prayer this morning and Carol brought, brought up a word and a prayer and you know how you're full when you overflow. And so when we're going into atmospheres, when we're going into rooms, when we're going into our family, when we're going into our workplace and we're just oozing the love of God, the love and power of Jesus, that's an indication that we're full. How many have ever been in the environment of someone that whatever circumstance they're in, no matter how you prod them, no matter what they do, they just come out oozing the love and power of Jesus. They just, it's like that saying around, it is State of Origin time, so I'm glad we can use this analogy together. But um, the analogy about maroons is that, that you cut them and they bleed maroon. But how many know that you've been around people, maybe it's yourself that you get around and you just, wherever you cut this person, they just bleed, they ooze Jesus. They're full. How many know that we need to be infilled this morning? It's constant infillings. This morning I want to talk about hunger. I want, about, I want to talk about hunger because I believe the Lord wants to... Um, Speak to us this morning about how we're prepared for what God is about to do. We're talking about preparations and I believe that humility and hunger are one of these ways that we actually prepare ourselves for what God is about to do. Many years ago, many, many years ago, I was studying to be a civil engineer and I happened to have a group of friends who were mechanical, who were studying to be a mechanical engineer and in this group of friends, we were sitting there one day and another guy came in and sat down and he had a Harley Davidson shirt on, Harley Davidson t-shirt. And somebody said to him, that is an incredible t-shirt, where did you buy that from? And he said, oh no, 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 I didn't buy this. I actually work for Harley Davidson. And I didn't realize at the time, but those group of friends, that was their pursuit in life was to work for Harley Davidson uh, motorcycles. And they said, what? Hang on, hang on. No, nobody just works for Harley Davidson. They, they, they've got to have experience. They've got to have education. They're like an elite group to work for this company. And so the, the conversation quickly moved from this incredible t-shirt that they were looking at into how did he get a job 
as a student with no experience, no education in this elite company. And this is what he said. He said, well, one day I turned up, I printed out my resume, I went to the company and I said, I'm here to apply for a job. And they said, oh, there's no jobs going here. And he said, all right, well, could you just pass the resume on to the person who's in charge of recruiting? And he walked out. How many know where most of those resumes go? Straight in the bin. And so he went there the next day. He printed out his resume, brand new copy, went there the next day. He turned up, walked in the front door and said, I'm here to apply for the job. I said, sorry, there is no job. He said, well, could you please pass my resume on to the person in charge of recruiting? How many know where that one went? Back in the bin. He did this every day for seven months. He had no experience, no education. He found out that there was a company that he wanted to work for and nothing was going to stop him. What he did was he turned up 15 minutes before the doors even opened. He was waiting every morning exactly at quarter to seven. He would beat the, employee, he would beat the employees that were working there. And all of a sudden, because of his hunger, he actually forced himself to get a job there. How many know that there was no decision? Because of his hunger and dedication, there was no decision for the company but to employ him. Hunger is an incredible thing. In Matthew chapter 13, we looked at this a little bit last week, but once again, I, I, I want to land on this passage because I believe the Lord wants to speak to us out of this parable. We're not going to look at the content of the parable, but we're going to look at what Jesus said after he spoke this parable about a farmer. Jesus spoke a parable and he said a farmer goes out and he, he throws seed and it lands in different conditions, environments. And then at the end of the parable, he says, whoever has ears, let them hear. Verse 10, it says, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to people in parables? Another translation says, why do you speak to people in these hard to understand parables? How many know that this wasn't the first time that the disciples were confused about the message of Jesus? It wasn't unusual for him to speak and them have no clue what he was talking about. And here, he, and here the disciples come and say, Jesus, why do you continue to speak like this? Why do you continue to speak in these hard to understand parables? And in verse 12 in the Passion Translation, actually verse 11, it says, he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Verse 12 in the Passion Translation says, For everyone who listens with an open heart will receive progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. But those who don't live, listen with an open, teachable heart, even the understanding that they think they have will be taken from them. This is my paraphrase of this. 
Here Jesus is, he tells a hard to understand story. The disciples come and they say, why do you continue to speak like this? And he says this, he says, because only the people who have humble and hungry hearts will be able to access the true mysteries and the revelation that I'm delivering. Why? Because he doesn't want to entrust his revelation with those who are not going to be hungry and humble. I said last week, I want to say again, that God doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. He hides things for us because it actually means that we have to engage with this thing called hunger that he actually values all throughout Scripture. It means that if things are on the, on, on the surface, superficially on the surface, that's awesome. But some things he actually hides that it takes a little bit of digging, a little bit of hunger to find the true mysteries, the revelation that he wants to speak to us. Is this making sense? In Psalms, it says, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. The psalmist is saying here, hey, just as an animal is going throughout the desert, is going throughout the wilderness, looking, looking, looking for a stream of water in desperate hunger and thirst, this is exactly why that the psalmist is saying, my heart longs for you. I want to pick up on a point that Brenton already preached this morning, but in Matthew 15, he's already shared the story, but Jesus is feeding the 4,000. And like he said, the provision stopped when the hunger was fulfilled. The supernatural thing that, that Jesus was doing in that moment actually stopped when the appetite was gone, when they were satisfied, when they were full. And the challenge for us this morning is, hey, we've experienced God do incredible things. How many right now would say, hey, if we just died and went to heaven now, it would be enough? It would be. But we know there's so much more. And so our goal and, 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 our, and in our journey in following Jesus, it's how do, we, how do we celebrate everything he's done? How do we stay full but be hungry at the same time? How do we stay in that childlike place that's just so hungry for what God wants to do next? That humility, that, that, that hunger that says, hey, whatever he has for me, I'm ready. I want to be ready for what he has to give to me. Bruce Hills, who's a, a great friend of this church and visits here often, I remember him sharing a story and the story was about when he was a teenager and he was with a group of other friends and he said they were in a moment in their life where they were just so hungry for God they didn't know what to do. And he said him and this group of, of teenagers, of, of, of young adults, would go out into the bush and just scream the name of Jesus because they were so hungry. 
He said they would just get out there. They would just walk through the forest, walk through the bush, and they would be out there just screaming the name of Jesus. They would come back and their throats would be raw. They couldn't even speak. People were thinking they had just been to the, to the state of origin match. And he said they used to just do this and do this because they were just so hungry for God. They didn't know what to do. And out of that hunger, Youth Alive was born. If you don't know, Youth Alive has been a movement that's gone throughout our nation and seen hundreds of thousands of young people make decisions and be followed and be discipled in Jesus. See, Bruce and his friends, they didn't have the strategy. They didn't even know what they were doing at all. But there was hunger. There was something about them that says, hey, we're just going to get out. We don't know what to do. We're going to walk out in the bush. We're going to walk out in the wilderness. And we're just going to scream the name Jesus. I believe there's still things that are yet to be birthed that are just waiting for someone with hunger. I believe there's movements, I believe there's churches, I believe there's ministries, I believe there's, there's people that are still yet to be, to be, to be um, released into the destiny on their lives and it's hunger, hunger for him, hunger for his presence. As you know, with little kids, if they're sick, and I think someone mentioned this this morning, the first thing they lose is their appetite. Lack of hunger is actually a a way to realize that, hey, there's something wrong. There's some sickness. There's something going on in this person, this child, whereby they don't want to actually eat. They've lost their appetite. And just... In our spiritual hunger, it's actually a sign of health that we're hungry. When you came to Christ, when you were born again experience, you came because you were hungry. You came because you were desperate for a change. You, you came because the, the scales, there was a revelation of who Jesus was. And how many know we can come and be hungry at that point, and then all of a sudden, our hunger diminishes. And then it's just like, let's go to church, which is amazing, which is, which, which is great. But I believe in this season, for the Lord to take us where he wants to take us, for him to use us in this next move of God, it's going to take people that return back to that place, that childlike hun- hunger that just says, hey, I'm all in. Whatever it takes, I'm in. You know, you do strange things when you're hungry. Strange things happen to hungry people. When someone's hungry, they don't care what's going on. Their primary focus is to quench that thirst, to quench that hunger. There's irrational things that take place with a hungry people. There's illogical things that take place with someone who is hungry. Sometimes it goes beyond all common sense. 
And if you've ever been around someone, maybe they've been doing a fast or for whatever reason, they're thirsty or hungry, you can be there with a full stomach and they're acting in ways that you do not understand. Because there's something about this hunger on the inside of them that's contagious, that's visible. And in the natural, when we're hungry, we eat and then we're satisfied. In the spiritual, it's the opposite. We get more hungry when we eat. We get more hungry when we eat. And so this morning, my prayer is that as you leave here this morning, as you've been exposed to worship, the presence of God, the preaching of the word, community, faith, hope, love, all these phenomenal things, that that's going to just set your appetite for the very more that God wants for us. This morning... The Lord woke me up at 2 a.m. Actually, that was my alarm clock. But then I fell asleep and then the Lord woke me up at 2.30. And he spoke to me and said that he's going to give a grace of hunger this morning. And in a moment, somebody's going to come and release that upon us. I've asked someone to come and pray. But I want to just whet your appetite. I just want to increase the hunger. And this morning I started reading. I pulled out an old book. And I started reading about some of the revivalists. And this morning I didn't read about all the incredible crusades they had and the healings that took place and, and, and the, amazing, the amazing community transformation. What I was reading and what I was seeing was the hunger. And there's one thread that, that runs throughout any person that's done anything significant for God and that is this insatiable illogical hunger for him. Stace, would you just come now and jump on the keys? That would be amazing. I just want you to engage with God in this moment. Maybe you want to close your eyes. I believe the Lord's going to give us a gift of hunger this morning. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I'm doing life and it's just like, hey, sometimes we can strive, sometimes we can try and work it up. But this morning, I believe for this season, what the Lord wants to do in our church and our community, He wants to give us a gift of hunger. But we will be the most hungriest people for Him. D.L. Moody was an American evangelist who was born in 1837. Says here in June of 1871, two women from Moody's congregation approached him and told him that they were praying for him to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and power. He remembered these two godly women kept praying for me. And their earnest talk about the anointing for special service set me thinking. I asked them to come and talk with me. And we got down on our knees. 
They poured out their hearts that I might receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And there came a great hunger into my soul. I knew not what it was. I began to cry as I never did before. The hunger increased and increased. I really felt that I did not want to live any longer if I could not have the power for service. I kept on crying all the time that God would fill me with his Holy Spirit. It says here that Moody's hunger for the more of God continued to grow over the next years and months. Not long after, he was walking up Wall Street in New York and in the midst of a busy, the bustle and the, and, and the hurry of the city, his prayer was answered. The power of God fell upon him as he walked up the street that he had to hurry off to the house of a friend and ask that he might have a room by himself. And in that room, he stayed alone for hours. And the Holy Spirit came upon him, filling his soul with such joy that at last he had to ask God to withhold his hand, lest he die on the spot from the very joy. He went out from that place with the power of the Holy Spirit. Moody says this, I can only say, God revealed himself to me. I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. I went on preaching again. The sermons were not different. I did not present any new truths, yet hundreds were converted. I would not be placed back where I was before that blessed day if you would give me all of the world. See, there was something of a hunger that was ignited in his heart that day. Catherine Kuhlman, an American evangelist born in 1907. She recalls here and it says, Oh, it seemed that every atom of my being cried out for more of him. I've known physical hunger, but I've never known a physical hunger in my whole life that was as great as the spiritual hunger that I had for him. So hungry for more that every time an altar call was given, whether it, whether it be after the morning session, the afternoon or the night, there was a red-headed, freckle-faced teenage girl who was the first to walk down the aisle and kneel in the sawdust, crying and seeking God. She says, my head buried in my arms, weeping and crying. And when the noon hour would come for dinner, everyone else would leave, but she was still there. She says, I was that girl. She says, one afternoon I left the apartment. It was in the outskirts of Los Angeles and I find myself walking down a tree-shaded street. The sun was, was flickering through the great limbs that stretched out overhead. At the end of the block, I saw a street sign that simply said, dead end. There was heartache. Heartache so great, it cannot be put into words. If you think it's easy to go to the cross... It's simply because you've never been there. She says, I've been there. I know I had nothing. I had to go alone. 
I knew nothing about the wonderful filling of the Holy Spirit. I knew nothing about the power of the Almighty person, in the, the third person in the Trinity, which was available to all. I just knew it was four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon and I'd come to the place in my life where I was ready to give up everything and die. I said out aloud, Dear Jesus, I surrender all. I give it all to you. Take my body, take my heart. All I am is yours. I place it in your wonderful hands. In that moment, I yielded to God, body, soul, and spirit. I gave him everything. That afternoon, Catherine Kuhlman died. And when I died, God came in and the Holy Spirit came in. There, for the first time, I realized what it meant to have power. Catherine Kuhlman was filled with the Spirit in a powerful way that day. The last one I want to read is from Carrie Montgomery, a healing evangelist born in 1858. She was an incredible woman that traveled and saw incredible things happening. She says, I myself received marvelous anointings of the Holy Spirit in the past, but I felt if there were more for me, I surely wanted it, as I could not afford to miss any blessing that the Lord was pouring out in these last days. Then in July of 1907, one of Carrie's workers at the home of peace was baptized in the Spirit and spoke in tongues. Not long after, a revival broke out among the children at her orphanage. This cause carried a hunger for something that she had never known existed at a personal level. Even though she had already experienced the Holy Spirit's presence powerfully in her healing and, and in her anointing encounter, she still felt there was something more. As a result of these stirrings, Carrie petitioned others for prayer. She recalled, I wrote to a dear brother who was wonderfully filled and blessed to pray for me that I might be filled with the Spirit. He prayed, and I only seemed to get more hungry. There it is. Carrie was finally so hungry for more of God that she took a trip back east to pray about the signs related to the Pentecostal revival. She later reflected, I grew still more thirsty for the rivers of living water. I knew I had tiny streams, but not rivers. I tried to go to meetings where people were tarrying for such an endowment of power on high. And the book goes on to tell about this encounter that she had with God and all these people have changed history. We're standing in the revelation that we stand with today as Pentecostals because of people that were hungry for God. This morning I believe that the Lord actually wants to grace us with a fresh hunger for Him. If that's you this morning, I just want you to stand where you are. Just put your hands out front, just ready to receive.
so many things that we do in even this place and they're all phenomenal. But this morning, I believe the Lord wants to emphasize one thing. And that's returning to that childlike place of awe, wonder and hunger. That place of hunger where you'll push past anything. Step outside the rules, so to speak. And this morning as I woke up early and I'm going to invite someone to come up and pray and release this gift of hunger over us. But Francis and Sue, they're in our church. They're one of the hungriest people I know. So I want to invite Pastor Francis Young, if you would come. I've asked Francis to come and pray for us. That there would be something that's so heavily upon his life that would impact us. Bless the Lord. We're looking at um, Matthew 13. And I just, I'm not going to read, I'm not going to preach. And I've got written beside it, and it was, this is an old Bible that's been there for a while, and if you look at here, Matthew 13, and you were talking about. I wrote that many years ago. And what I wrote in borrow beside this, this chapter. The writing's really faded. How deep is your love? How deep is your love? It's not a matter of raising the dead or cleansing lepers or preaching and being some fine evangelist or operating all, all, all these gifts and calling fire down from heaven. And, and I've been involved in a lot of things. I've never called fire down from heaven, but sometimes I wish I could have. There's a couple in the congregation I could have cooked. But I, I, I ask you this morning. You know, when he said to Daniel, Daniel, David had fallen into sin in a bad way. But the cry of his heart was to the Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. I'd be devastated if I lost my love affair and my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It would probably break my heart if my wife walked out on me, but that, that's not going to happen. She's chained to the bed. 49 years of marriage. And the same thing relates to the Christian faith and our walk with him. It's for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health and forsaking all other loves. I'm saying to you this morning that Jesus Christ needs to be our first love and our only love. Has the total preeminence 
Francis, I own you. I bought your sorry little black soul out of going to hell because I love for you. You owe me big time. So, Lord, what, what do you want? Like the testimonies of those people. I want you and all of you. So let me, as I say that again, how, how deep is your love? When the wheels fall off the cart, when everything goes pear-shaped, when everything goes down, it's great when the blessing of the Lord that make it the rich and out of no sorrow, everything's going fine and all of a sudden you, you seem to be going, going down the gurgler, going backwards. But we, re- we maintain our love. Don't say, honey, look, I've had a gutful, let's get divorced. Destroys the children, destroys your grandchildren, brings about destruction. But this man, Jesus, hold him tight. <laughs> the most precious person that you could ever have, the greatest gift that God had ever gave to man was his son. And sometimes he's been used and abused. Bless God this morning. Whatever the desire, I'm going to pray this morning. Pray for this morning. Bless the Lord. <laughs> Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, to love you. Lord, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. Lord, that we might love our neighbours as ourselves. That we might love one another. Lord, we have faith and we have hope and we have love. But the greatest of all of these, Lord, is love. I thank you, Lord. I fall into sin. I, I don't always get it right, but I, I thank you this morning. You said love. Love covers a, a, a multitude of sins. And Lord, it's like an encouragement. Just get into love. Get into love. And you're... You, you, I am what I am, Lord, because I love you. I love you. And I know you love me back in return. And I thank you for that sweet and beautiful relationship that we have to bring me out of the gutter, my God, 25 years old. No longer, I'll, I'll, I'll be 70. And you've been faithful, Lord. We've been to hell and back. But nevertheless, you said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will, I will be with you always. And I thank you this morning for that, when I failed you. <laughs> you, you've given me a, tra- a place of repentance and returning. So, Father, today for those that are standing, those that are sitting, those that are, are reaching out this morning, Lord, I thank you today that we're not looking for a religion, but we're looking for a man who is the way and the truth and the life. We're looking for the Son, the Son of the living God. I bless you this morning, Father. Blessed Holy Spirit, the gift that has been given to us 
raise up and stir within our spirits this morning, Lord. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world and God who spent on his own son, but you didn't really want for us all. How shall you not with him freely, freely give us all things? But Lord, if we used to sing the old chorus, you're more than enough. You're all shut up. You're more, more, and much more. I, I, I don't need anything else. All I need is you, our love of and relationship. So, Father, this morning, please bless and strengthen every heart and life that is standing here. Lord, you know, know the hearts of each and every one of us, Father. You know the desires of our heart. Lord, you know standing with standing and trusting and believing and reaching out in faith knowing you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all what we ask or we think, according to your mighty power, Lord, that works in us. Our bodies being your temple. Oh, hallelujah. I'd be in the middle of a desert and nobody else is around, and yet I'm not alone because you're with me. I will never die alone if there's nobody in the home and everyone's gone out. I'll die in your arms and in your presence. And bless God, you'll take me home. <laughs> but don't take us home, Lord. We're here to evangelize, to get off our butts and to get out there and preach the gospel and reach souls and tell them that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Silver and gold are not going to do you any good. But in the name of Jesus, help us, Lord, to preach and to teach and to speak the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray for the blessing of the Lord that make it the rich this morning on this fellowship. Father, the blessing of the Lord that make it rich and out of no sorrow in church this morning. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. How many received that this morning? So good. Just as you grab your seats, um, we can't end a service like this and not give people an opportunity if you've never had a relationship with Jesus. After hearing a, a man of God like that come and pray and, and share, just while everyone's closing their eyes, is there anyone here you say, hey, I want to say yes to Jesus today. Just raise your hand just so I can see it and put it back down. If you just want to make a, a decision this morning, maybe you've walked away from him, but today you're like, hey, today's the day I come back to him. Is there anyone here this morning that wants to make a decision? You want to experience your sins forgiven, a brand new start this morning? Anyone this morning? Amen. Awesome.